Hey everybody, on today's episode of Still to be Determined, we're going to be talking about the location of the Rebel base. That's right. <laughs> going into discussions around Matt's most recent episode, why this fusion tech may be a geothermal energy breakthrough. This episode dropped on June 21st, 2022. As usual, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matt's older brother. I'm a writer. I write some stuff for adults. I write some stuff for kids. I'm also curious about technology. And luckily for me, my brother is Matt of Undecided with Matt Farrell. Matt, how you doing? That's no moon. <laughs> I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing okay. And this episode was most of the commentary around this episode was, wow, this is amazing. It reminds me of this movie. <laughs> around, wow, this is neat. Remember this movie? And there were different movies that were referred to. Some people uh -huh. went with the Star Wars references, like that's not that's not a moon. Other people were referring to the movie The Core, which oh god, yeah, and also ran that came out during the heyday of hey, what if the world ended? Movies, which are making a resurgence lately, I think. But the aspects of this technology that struck me the most are it really suddenly makes things that seem like they should be impossible just very pedestrian in a yes. really weird way yeah yeah so i want to break this down a couple of different ways but first i wanted to share this comment from al abadia who wrote three days ago he wrote in to say hey matt when the subject of geothermal came up, I pretty much already knew the company you were going to talk about. I'm one of Case's new employees, and I can tell you I'm really excited to work for a company with such a great vision of the future. I personally believe this technology is not a stopgap. Repurposing people, equipment, and facilities is the embodiment of sustainability. Best of all, my well operator buddies get to keep their jobs, and they can stop teasing me about owning a hybrid. <laughs> Thanks for the good content and keep it coming. And he's edited to say, I saw the gyrot gyrotron in person and that thing is going to rock. Wink. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he yeah. touches on a bunch of the things that I wanted to talk about, which were in your research. Do you have any information about the size of the drilling industry? Roughly like what, amount of this new tech what amount of the currently operating drilling infrastructure would simply be able to transition over to this is it conceivably 100 percent, or is there going to be a change as a result of one of the things that you talked about in the video and the developers of this technology talked about if you can drill in let's say one tenth of the time yeah then do you arguably only need one tenth as many drill teams if they or can do this can drill more? Well, you could drill more, but is there <laughs> that much demand? Are there people running around screaming like I need this hole and I need it now? Well, so I am, I'm, I'm getting geothermal in my new house I'm building. So I need to drill. There a you hole. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, um, I guess the availability of supply actually could increase demand in that sense. If this becomes well, a technology that allows people to do more and more of what you're doing, then I could see demand staying high. It won't though. I don't know how I can't, 
I didn't look into how big the, the drilling industry is, but after talking to Carlos, who's from the drilling industry, he basically, in the conversation with the, with me, alluded to the fact that the skills are transitional, that you can go from an expertise in mechanical drilling to this. So there's a lot of people working in the industry that can very easy, easily just shift over to this, but this is not going to like replace mechanical drilling because right. it, I don't know if you picked up on it, but there's... They will still use, Quays will still be using mechanical drilling to drill down to the basement rock. Right. And then once they hit there, then they flip over to the gyrotron and start boring a hole to the center of the earth using their death ray. Right. So it's not going to, like for my geothermal uh, well that we're going to be drilling, it's a 300 foot deep well. It's like, we're not going to be getting out of gyrotron and drilling a 300 right. foot deep hole. It would still be a mechanical drill. Are you disappointed so like, by that? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I wouldn't be li- I'd be lying if I said no, but it's it, it's going to be complementary to what already exists and then there's going to be a lot of easy transition in the industry it sounds like to to something like this. As you just mentioned, traditional drilling getting through the sedimentary layer and then the next step being using the gyrotron. One of the things that as we were as I was watching the video, I kept thinking, "Oh my god, what is this going to do for Earthquakes. What is going to happen? Is this like fracking? And I was reassured by two things. The first being, this is not like fracking in that you are not pumping something down into the hole to then expand cracks to then extract something. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The fact that this is a self-sealing drill is really quite fascinating the fact that the 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 developer of this he seemed rather taken by the fact that it creates this glass tube as it goes down and that that helps reinforce the structure of all of all of that are you talking about paul waskoff yeah Um, paul waskoff yeah yeah so the alleviation of concerns of is this going to be exacerbating cracks is this going to be doing something similar to what fracking does that was alleviated and then by the end of the video the discussion of well you currently have to drill for geothermal in places which are tectonic plates tectonic plate weak points in order to get to that geothermal heat yeah if now distance down is no hindrance and you can go in a place where you don't have to worry about that impact we could start seeing these in parts of the world where right now geothermal isn't even considered and that was reassuring but i also found myself thinking it's not going to stop people from drilling down for geothermal in those weak spots either correct well the, the thing is like i did a previous video on geothermal power with mechanical drilling a while back and the earthquake issue is a significant issue. Like there are countries that have basically said we're pausing all exploration drilling on this because holy crap, the last time we did this, it caused massive earthquakes, but they're drilling in regions. Like you talked about where there's tectonic activity and you're kind of triggering it. If you could drill a hole 10 kilometers down, 20 kilometers down in the middle of Iowa, where there's no risk of a tectonic plate shifting, that's a completely different ball game. And then this is also very different from mechanical drilling and how it self seals the hole. It's not like fracking. It's going to have a very different impact on what's happening to the hole as you're drilling. So it's like, 
it still needs to be tested out and proven out. But both Paul and Carlos were very confident when they were talking to me about like, they really do not think it's going to be an issue because they can drill in areas where there is no risk of earthquakes. And as they start doing this and proving out that, yes, this is totally safe. Don't panic. It's like, it'll just be a, like a snowball rolling downhill. Right. More people will want to get in on this, but it's those first few projects where they have to prove it out to get the attention. And the potential transition of currently standing power plants mm-hmm. from being, it seemed like they were pointing out that you could take pretty much any existing power plant and conceivably next Convert door it. drill down and then start pulling out geothermal. Is there a limit to what the geothermal might be able to provide? Like, is it as ongoing and to the power levels that you would see from current power plants that might be oh, yeah. petroleum based it, or yeah, if you, if you can burning. get deep enough, yeah, it's all about the temperature. If you can get deep enough and you can get to the temperatures that are required for the amount of power that you need to generate. You can, you can make it, you can scale it to whatever you need to take, take it back to like geothermal heating and cooling for your home. Like what I'm doing, you basically are drilling the number of wells that you would need to achieve the heating efficiency that you require. So for a small home, like where I'm living, I only have to drill one hole 300 or so feet down. If I live in a bigger home that requires more heating capacity, I might have to have two or three wells dr- drilled that are 300 feet down. Yeah. So it's something similar for this. It's like you could drill, you might need to drill several wells in a s- certain location to achieve the the amount of heat that you require to produce however many megawatts or gigawatts of electricity you need, but you can do it. So it's like, it's all just about what what's your power requirements? How much do you want to generate? How many wells does that require? It's like, that's basically what you're trying to, yeah. to do. So it's like, you can... The thing about it though is it's this would be for base load power plants. This is not going to replace like gas peaker plants, which you can scale up and down really quickly. This is like a good alternative for something like nuclear, you know, where it's like you're just trying to give a base load supply to the to the grid. This is a perfect replacement for that. Right. And to be clear, and you can correct me obviously if I'm wrong, what you're doing is not energy production. You are using geothermal as a warming and cooling, but it's taking advantage of the natural temperatures below ground, as opposed to accessing heat that you would then use for energy production, which is what might happen at a power plant. Yeah. Yes. It it, it is different, but it's also like, I'm not going to use the right terminology and people are going to yell at me for what I'm about to say. And I apologize, but it's like, there's a difference between like electricity and power. Yeah. And so it's kind of, you're tapping into the heat to generate, to create steam, to turn a turbine, to generate electricity. Right. And for me, I'm tapping into the consistent temperature or heat of the earth to heat and cool my home. So it's, right. it's just what you're doing with that temperature that you're, what, what's your goal? What are you trying to achieve and why do you need right. it? Yeah. Right. That's what I meant. It, yeah. And the difference being you could not simply go down to the depth that you are going in your home and do anything with a power plant. That's the point is that what you're doing by accessing the temperatures they mentioned at the deepest level that they consider being able to go, the temperatures down there were above 700 degrees Fahrenheit. 
mm-hmm. if you're able to tap into that and bring that back up, then you're in a position where you can start boiling water and creating yep. steam. You can be driving steam turbines with yep. those temperatures. That's what I meant is that you're not accessing anything underground, which is then turning into now my turbine is running. Now my generator is going. Now I can do this with my house. You are simply taking that, that warmer water Mm -hmm. and it's getting pumped through the house, which is allowing you to take advantage of the natural heating effect. Yeah. I'm transferring heat. I'm not converting it into electricity. Right. Yeah. So with this, being so new, what hurdles do they have to go through for this to be an allowed drilling mechanism? They're still in a testing phase, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're just now stepping off into the testing outside the lab. Is that what they're currently yes. just starting they're to doing do? Their, they're doing their first pilot study with a power company where they're going to be drilling in uh, basically a defunct volcano. <laughs> essentially, because it's going to be a rather shallow hole they have to drill. And it's going to be their first kind of like, you know, rubber meets the road, put it to its test, drill thousands of feet and see, see how it works and work out the kinks from that. So, but yeah, it's going to be their first real world study where it's going to actually be used to generate electricity. So yes. Beyond that, what does it take? You can't run that test, have them say, well, it worked. That was great. And now we're going to go start selling their services to companies around the country. What sort of regulatory steps are ahead of them? And in other words, what kind of time frame are they looking at? Are we looking yeah. at 10 years from now, this will be an industry that's out there or are we looking at shorter, longer? It's going to depend on where you're talking about because there are areas of the world already. Like I think it's Iceland is, um, pretty much geothermal power. Yeah. Yeah. Almost hundred percent. So there are areas of the world that already have done geothermal drilling for power and they're still doing it. So those areas of the world that are already doing it, that's a customer base that they can immediately go to right away. It really comes down to, I don't know if regulations is going to be a, a huge hurdle. It's really the permitting. It's like getting permissions from a state or a country to do this, especially if the state or the country is kind of gun shy of like, we're worried about, you know, earthquakes. You can't do that here. So it's like, I think that's going to be the issue is permitting. But if this pilot study works and it works as well as they're hoping it does, and it produces the electricity they're, they say that it's going to produce, I think they're going to have a, a easy salesmanship to find another power company that will work with their local regulatory commissions and get the permitting to do it there. So it's like, I think it's gonna, each one will be easier than the previous one. So this first one is obviously a big hurdle. The next one should be easier than this one if, if it works out. So I don't think it's going to, I asked Carlos that and he was basically saying, you know, hedging his bets. It's like making a prediction like that's really tough. Is he the geologist who doesn't know the business talk? No, (laughs) it's, uh, my hunch is this is like a decade long plan. We'll see here before it's like even a thing that you're seeing in multiple locations. I have a feeling like the next three to five years, we'll have a few of these under our belt to see how it's working and where it's mm-hmm. working and all that kind of stuff. And then it will start to kind of hockey stick and ramp up pretty quickly after that. Mm-hmm. If it works and proves out. Just two final questions. This is another of your videos that worked beautifully in large part because you were interviewing directly with 
the members of these teams, both the mm-hmm. researcher at MIT and the head of the company. And I'm curious, how did you find, how did this information about this technology come across your desk? How did you reach out? What was the process for you in getting in touch with these people and how open were they to talking with you? Yeah, there was, there was two ways that, that this kind of came together at the same time. There was a comment on one of my videos of somebody saying, hey, Matt, you should look at Quaze. And at the same time, I had literally just read an article about using gyrotrons to drill and this company called Quaze. So it was like, I found it by reading an article on my own. And then a commenter in one of my videos said, hey, look at this company. And so when I saw it, it was like, I'm not alone in my interest in this. I was like, hey, I'll dig into this a little bit more. And that's when I looked into Quaze, found Paul Waskoff, who actually created it. And I reached out to both MIT and Quaze. And I had worked previously with the uh, press department from the Fusion Research Lab at MIT when I did my a video on the Fusion Breakthrough that MIT had mm-hmm. with their Spark uh, Fusion Reactor. And so I already had a connection there. That, so I emailed her because it was part of her purview. So it's like, that's kind of how it all kind of came together. So when I reached out to them, it was an immediate like, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll see if we can get something lined up. And everybody was really eager to talk about it. So it, it came together in a nice synergy and it was a nice, it was, it, it came together really well. Yeah. I'm, I'm really appreciative of their time too, to, to talk to me about this. Cause it really helps these videos when I can talk to the people who are actually doing the thing. Yeah. It really helps. Yeah. It's very informative. It's, and it's really interesting to put faces to things that are so new and so spectacular from a certain perspective. And then you see a guy who's just like, yeah, this has been my job for 25 years. I've been thinking about this and nobody yeah. knew. And now here it is. And now it's having an impact on the yeah. world potentially. So that's, yeah. it's, it's nice to be able to put a face to that. And Paul was really cool. He was, he's such a, you can tell he's got like the equivalent of four or five of my brains. Right. <laughs> you know? right. And he was a lot of fun to talk to. And he's very passionate about this and very proud of his work too. And he should, he should be. be. It's, it's, yeah. pretty, it's, yeah. it's very impressive. It's remarkable. And all of that is also a good reminder to the listeners. Jump into the comments with your tips because you never know when the synergy will be lining up and Matt will be like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. And this commenter is on the right track and I'll follow their, their uh, breadcrumbs back to this interesting topic. So jump into the comments. And my question for you on this particular episode is, do you live in a part of the world where this kind of thing would be, would make you nervous? Do you live in a part of the world where you're seeing geothermal as a, yeah, we're not doing that right now because we're worried about earthquakes. Or do you live in a part of the world where this kind of thing has never even been a consideration? And do you think that there would be interest in your neck of the woods? Let us know in the comments. You can, of course, jump into the comments on YouTube directly below the video or in the contact. The contact information is available in the podcast description. And don't forget, you can support the show not only by listening, which you're doing right now. We appreciate you can also leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, Wherever it is you found this podcast, you can also directly support us by going to stilltbd.fm, click the become a supporter button, and you can throw some coins at our heads. Or alternatively, on YouTube, you can just click the join button. That works as well. The coins hurt just as much, and we love them (laughs) equally. All of those really do help support the show. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and we'll see you in the next one.